Mark Janowski here with us on Sports Talk Chicago. And, Mark, we want to talk some Bears now. What do you make of all these moves so far this offseason for them? I think they're looking very good. Yeah, they've got a long way to go, though, John. You know, when you finish with the worst <laughs> record in the league, you know, you could you could make the argument that they may only have four or five core players, and then you're filling in another, you know, 17 to 18 spots on your, on your starting lineups. So they have a long way to go, and I, I give Ryan Poles a lot of credit for filling in a lot of key positions. I really like the two linebackers they signed. I think those guys are going to be impact players immediately. I think they're, they did a good job in the draft last year, picking up a starting corner and a starting safety that I think are going to be good players for them for a lot of years to come. They didn't really address their questions on the offensive line, but hopefully they can still do that either later in free agency or with some of those high picks that they have in the upcoming draft. But I think they're off to a, a really good start. I think the DJ Moore acquisition is really kind of underrated at this point. I mean, here you got a 25-year-old guy who put up great numbers with the Carolina Panthers. I don't know if he's exactly a number one receiver, but he is a guy that can stretch the field, who put up good numbers with the Panthers. And I think that he'll give Justin Fields a target who can really open up the field and make his job a lot easier. How big of a jump are you expecting for Fields now with all these weapons at his disposal? Well, the key thing, though, John, is they have to solidify that offensive line. Yeah. You know, everyone talked about the fact that he was putting up record numbers running the football, but he was also exposing himself to a lot of big hits. You know, he, he's a strong guy, and he, and he was able to stay in games last year, but there were times where he took a hit, and you're just like, man, I don't know how many more of those he can take. Hopefully, you know, he'll, he'll be more uh, effective passing within the pocket. Um, he'll be a little more patient with a better offensive line and with better receivers to throw to, and he won't have to find himself making the one read, seeing that the offensive protection is crumbling, and then immediately running. Maybe he can give it an extra beat and scan for secondary receivers and maybe hit some plays uh, later in the progressions uh, as he's looking down the field. You think his problem was with passing last year was more so an offensive line issue, or was he still trying to learn out the position? Was it a combination of both? What do you think about that? I think those those are both factors. I think also that, you know, he needs to improve on his accuracy, especially throwing the intermediate to deep ball. And that's something that he was very candid in talking about at the end of the season when he met the media that, you know, he wasn't he's not a guy who's ever going to point fingers at his teammate. He's never going to say, well, I didn't have enough time to look down the field or, or, or scan for second or third targets. Uh, you know, I think he realizes that he, he missed some guys. He threw the ball high at times. He does need to improve his accuracy. But I think with better receivers, with a guy like D.J. Moore who can stretch the field, and hopefully by getting that extra second with better offensive line protection, you'll see him improving in all those areas. Do you have any expectations or at least baseline expectations for Fields this year? Well, I think his passing numbers are going to jump dramatically. I think you're going to see him go into the mid-60% range in terms of completion percentage. I think his passing yardage is going to jump up dramatically. Um, you know, his interceptions, I think, will will probably stay around where they were this year. But I don't think, you know, I think you're going to see the big jump in, in touchdown into interceptions, so his ratio will be that much better. I think you're going to see a huge jump from Justin Fields in year three, and, and I think the whole Bears offense is going to look a lot better. The question is going to be where they're going to fare in a central division that's it's kind of hard to forecast right now. I mean, the Lions came on so strong at the end of the year. Uh, they've got a couple of first-round draft picks to use. I think the Lions are probably going to be the favorite going into this season. 
Minnesota coming off a really good year last year, but I think a lot of that was a little bit of a smoke and mirrors year because their point differential wasn't really that good despite their record. And Green Bay is likely to take a precipitous fall with Aaron Rodgers leaving town. Do you think he ends up going to the Jets? I know there's been reports, nothing's official yet. Is that where you think he's going to go? Oh, he's gone. They, they've burned that bridge. <laughs> Not only burned it, they've torpedoed it, whatever, whatever analogy you want to use. There's no way Aaron Rodgers is going back to Green Bay. The Packers front office is completely sick and tired of all the drama. And he didn't play well last year. Now, granted, he fractured his thumb. Uh, and, if, you know, for a quarterback, that's, that's just a devastating injury. I'm sure that impacted him on a lot of throws that, that he missed last year. But the Packers are done. They're going to turn it over to Jordan Love. <laughs> Um, you know, they had a couple of first-round draft picks on the defensive side last year. I think in the short term, they're hoping that an improved defense and a good running game can keep them competitive. But it, it'll, be, it'll be a couple of years until they know whether or not Jordan Love is, is going to be a quarterback who can keep them competitive in the NFC North. Do you think it's going to be Lions, at least right now, at number one? Why do you say that? Well, look at the way they played late in the year. I think they won like seven of their last eight, something like that. They were they were remarkable late in the year. Uh, if you watch the Hard Knocks series on HBO, Dan Campbell is a magnetic personality <laughs> as a head coach. I think his guys love playing for him. Aaron Glenn, their defensive coordinator, also a guy who uh, carries a lot of respect from the team. I just think it's it's a it's a fun coaching staff that really got the most out of their players. Jared Goff quietly had a really good year last season. You know, the Rams gave up on him, and it paid off, you know, in terms of winning a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. But then the Rams took a big step backwards last year. They got their one Super Bowl, so I'm sure they're they're happy with the trade. But, you know, I think the Lions, they added David Montgomery uh, from the Bears as a guy who's, who's going to be a factor in the running game. Uh, their, their defense is only going to be better next year. I think that they're probably the favorite Minnesota 1A. And, and I think that, uh, you know, the Bears, I think they need to take a, a step an intermediate step. My goal, if I was, would be Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, was finish around 500, eight and nine, nine and eight. I think that'd be a very successful season. What did you think about the David Montgomery move? I read a report last week that the main difference maker was in year two of the contract. Detroit offered him more guaranteed money than the Bears. But what do you make of those details? And then Montgomery leaving Chicago. Yeah, I think it just falls in line with what we've seen about the devaluation of the running back position in the NFL. I mean, most of the time. I watched football. The running back was king. You know, you always right. teams would would do almost anything to get an elite workhorse running back that they could use both on the ground and in the passing game. And when you had one, you just hung on to him. You valued him for dear life, and you just used him over and over and over again. And now they look at it as you know almost like uh, disposable socks or something that you you know <laughs> you get your wear out of them and you throw them away. Uh, there, most teams are just happy to take a running back in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round use them for three or four years and say, all right, well, we'll, we'll bring in a young guy at low money. We'll, we'll let him get pounded for a few years and then, and then we'll move on. You see very few running backs that last eight, nine, 10 years. Look what's happened to Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas. He was devalued the last couple of years. Granted, he had some injuries, but right now they just cut him and he's getting very little interest on the free agent market because they look at him as a guy that at age 29 or 30 is basically finished. Yeah, I find that so fascinating. I mean, as you mentioned, you followed Chicago sports forever. Walter Payton. Yeah. Night and day difference between the running back situation of today or even guys like Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders. It's a much different sport when it comes to running backs today than it was that back then. 
Yeah, and you look at so many great running backs of the past, they were featured in just about everything that a team would do. Now you're going to have a different running back on first and second down as you're going to have on third down. <laughs> you'll, you'll go to multiple wide receivers, and if you have a guy who's a good receiver as a running back who maybe can get open on a wheel route or get down the field a little bit, then you'll use him. Otherwise, a lot of teams will go with no running backs on third down. So the, the offensive structures have changed so much in the last five to ten years that the running back position – has become so devalued that teams don't want to invest big dollars. That's why, you know, Saquon Barkley, there was talk about would the Giants resign him. He knew that he wasn't going to have a big market in free agency, so there really weren't a lot of options for him. Do you trust in Khalil Herbert to take on this bigger load now that Montgomery's gone? I think he'll be the, the starter, but that's not to say that they won't bring in another guy, whether it's one of the later rounds of the draft or later in free agency. I think I saw a figure last week that the Bears still have something like $38 million available to spend. So they they can still go out and add somebody in free agency. I mean, you know, if they wanted a short yardage back, they could potentially take a flyer on Ezekiel Elliott as a, as a goal line, you know, short yardage back if they wanted to do something like that. Um, I, I don't think that's likely. I don't think, you know, because he has been kind of pouty at times when he doesn't get his touches. So I don't think with a young team on – you know, on the rise, I don't think they're going to want to bring in a lot of veterans who might not be happy in a limited role. I think more likely they'll bring in a guy that, uh, you know, they can use as a as either a third down back or a guy who's happy with limited touches. You know, they did bring in a running back from Seattle who's more of a special teams guy, but that, that's the kind of thing they'll be looking at to, to supplement Herbert. Mark Shanowski is still with us on Sports Talk Chicago. Mark, a few more questions before we finish up. I uh, wanted to ask you about the Windy City Bowl season over. First year doing full-time play-by-play. How'd it go? It was a blast. It was a really fun season. And I'm sure you saw the news today that Carleek Jones was named the uh, G League Most Valuable Player. And he really deserved it. He led the league in scoring. He was really a dynamic player. And he was the driving force. And then making a huge run over the last two months. They wound up missing a playoff spot than a tiebreaker. It was really frustrating because they finished their season a couple of days before some other teams, and they only needed one thing to break right for them, and everything broke wrong in the last two <laughs> days, and, and they lost the playoff spot and the tiebreaker. The, the G League playoffs are fascinating because they get them done in a hurry. It, it is like the NCAA tournament. It's one and done, and right now they're in the uh, finals that are going to wrap up on Sunday where that's the best two out of three. But getting a chance to call the home games on NBC Sports Chicago was a blast. It was something that, that I always aspired to do. And, you know, the, the season flew by. It was, a, it was a great group of guys. And the Bulls parent organization did a nice job in making sure that, you know, they made players available. Uh, Marco Simonovic uh, was available all year long as an assignment player. Dale and Terry played about a half dozen games as a first-round draft pick. Remember, Carly Jones signed a standard NBA contract uh, back in February. And they let him finish out the season with, with Windy City. So they had a, a good roster uh, throughout the year. They were fun to watch. They played their best basketball late in the year. Uh, just, it's just a shame they didn't get a chance in the playoffs. But, you know, I'm already looking forward to next year and, and, and seeing if uh, they can make a run to a playoff spot next year. What was the best part about broadcasting those games for you? Just the immediacy of it. You know, there's nothing like a live event. You know, most of my career, I was talking about events either previewing something or talking about it in the past tense. There's nothing quite like the assign, uh, you know, the excitement of a live event. I know you do a lot of play-by-play, John, and, and you know, there's, there's nothing quite like it. I mean, the preparation leading up to the event is an important part of being successful. 
and then just getting kind of wrapped up in, in the excitement of what you're witnessing. You know, they're, they're, broadcasting is great in general. I, I, you know, I've had a wonderful career and I'm very grateful for every moment of it. But, you know, those times doing play-by-play, those two hours, two and a half hours just flew by. And, and when you got done, you know, you really felt like you, like you accomplished something. Not to say you didn't in other areas, but it's, it's, it's not the same feeling. And that's something that I, I'm very grateful I got a chance to experience late in my career. Is there going to be more play-by-play in your future for other teams or other organizations? Uh, that remains to be seen. Um, I haven't really made any uh, inquiries into other positions at this point. You know, I got a chance to fill in for Adam Amin for four Bulls games this year. Um, generally, he has some conflicts during the NFL season when he has to be out of town for the entire weekend, both doing prep meetings and then doing the game itself on Fox. So, you know, my hope is that, you know, I might get a chance to do three or four games next year. But between that and doing the, the 24 Windy City games, that's not bad. So, you know, I'm not necessarily going to pursue more opportunities, but if something presents itself, I certainly would, wouldn't say no. What do you prefer? This is a big question. What do you prefer, play-by-play or studio work? Going to put you on the spot. Well, at this point, you know, definitely play-by-play because, you know, as we've talked about in the past, when I first got into the business, that's what I wanted to do. But circumstances led me towards the studio work. And I had a great run with it. I, I enjoyed it immensely. And I had some great experiences that, that, I'll, that I'll always treasure. But this is what I always wanted to do. And getting the chance to experience it has been very gratifying. And, you know, people always talk about, you know, bucket list things that you get a chance to achieve. And this is definitely that was one of my bucket lists. And I'm very happy that it, it wasn't just a a once-only thing. It was something I got a chance to do now for a couple of years and hopefully several more years in the future. I wanted to ask you, too, about the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. You guys are growing on YouTube. You're partnered with Odyssey. How's that been going? It's been a lot of fun. You know, uh, Stacy is amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've been uh, just overwhelmed by his ability to come in with a lot of energy every show, regardless of his travel schedule. You know, he always wants to do the show in person rather than just do it through a, through a Zoom hookup or some kind of internet hookup. He wants to be in person so that you can really enjoy the interaction. You can give each other grief and you can, you know, you're not stepping on each other when you're talking about various topics. And, and, I, and I give him a ton of credit for it. I mean, people who've listened to the show know what a great sense of humor he has, what a great storyteller he is. And, you know, we, the big challenge on, on any podcast or any show like you're doing is, is to make sure that you're constantly coming up with new and interesting guests um you know we've we've partnered with odyssey and and we've we've gotten some some really good guests in recent months and we're going to try to continue that going on into the summer and and i think that's really going to be the the big test for us is to keep the show fresh to keep it uh you know interesting and make sure that we're offering uh, a-list guests for for our audience you're one of my favorite guests mark not blowing smoke i'm being honest that's true you are one of my favorite very kind of you to say so (laughs) Before we finish up today, last question. Who was your favorite basketball player growing up? Uh, my favorite player when I was a kid was, hmm, that's an that's interesting one. Well, I, you know, when I was a kid was when the uh, Milwaukee Bucks franchise first started. So obviously that was when uh, Lou Alcindor was drafted out of UCLA. And getting a chance to watch him play, the first seven years of his career in Milwaukee 
was pretty remarkable. But, you know, there's so many players that, that, I, that I've enjoyed watching through the years. I loved watching Magic Johnson play. A 6'9 point guard, the joy with which he played the game, the great rivalry with Larry Bird, that was so much fun. I like the guy that, you know, Chicago fans are very familiar with in, in Sidney Moncrief. He played with the Milwaukee Bucks in the 80s, and, and Michael Jordan said he was one of the toughest defenders that he had to go up against. Moncrief was a guy who had some knee issues that kind of shortened his career, but he was an NBA two-time defensive player of the year. He was a multiple-time All-Star, and, and he was a guy that, that left it on the court you know, each and every night. I love watching uh, Jordan, obviously. I mean, Jordan was the best, the greatest of all time. And then Bulls fans were blessed to have Derrick Rose. It, unfortunately, it was, a, it was a short period for him to be at the top of his game and at the top of the league. But there was nothing quite like those first three or four years of Derrick Rose. I mean, he was flying above the rim and, and just doing remarkable things. So, you know, I've been blessed both as a fan and as a broadcaster to witness some of the greatest players of all time. And you know, it's tough to come up with uh, a list of the greatest players ever, but those those are the ones that really stood out to me as guys that that really uh, that I, I wanted to watch every time they took the floor. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining me. Such great insights tonight. You know, I see a commenter saying Mark Shanowski is the Google of Chicago sports, and I firmly agree with that <laughs> statement. I appreciate all your time. I wish you the best, obviously, with Windy City, with Give Me the Hot Sauce, with ABC7, and I'm looking forward to the next time we chat as well. Thanks, John. I appreciate you having me on. And, and hopefully AK can come up with the right combination of moves to get the Bulls back into a, a contending status next year, at least to get past the first round of the playoffs. I, I know that he is personally stung by, you know, some of the things that have happened, some of them out of the control, namely the Lonzo Ball situation. But, you know, for Bulls fans, I think he's going to go out and be really bold this summer. So, so stay tuned. I think there's going to be some very interesting moves made in the offseason. I want a happier conversation with you. Every time you come on, we're talking about bad things or unfortunate things that are happening with the Bulls. So I hope to see that happen, too. That'll be nice. Yeah, and, and like I said, I think the Bears are on the rise. So we've got, yes. some, we've got some things going. The Bears <laughs> are on the rise. I think the Cubs are on the rise. And we'll, we'll see what, what the White Sox are going to look like this year. Thank you, Mark. Really appreciate it. Thanks, John.